Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast, here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars, joining me tonight, the president of the Bills backers, Sujit, is here. It's a good day in Bills Nation. It is indeed. We are without the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton. We are without the lovely Bill Belcher. And we are without Jam and Jeff Day. It's just you and me. And I was thinking earlier, have, have you and I done an intimate session yet? I know I've done them with Bill and Cassie. I think we did last year. Okay. But I don't think this year. Well, we certainly have a, a nice game to talk about. Another shellacking of the New York Jets. To keep our playoff hopes alive, and alive they are. If we win this week, then we just need one improbable win out of three games down the last stretch. So who knows? It could happen for this Bills team. I have to say, the person who did the programming for the um, it's ESPN or uh, NFL Network or NFL.com has that uh, playoff machine yeah, where ESPN. you can like choose yeah. who wins and who loses and... That, that is a brilliant, brilliant little toy to play with, and you can spend a lot of time when you should be doing work yeah. messing with that. And a 10 wins looks like should get us in, but that's going to be very difficult to come by. Billsandbeers.com, best way to find us. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found our podcast. Suge, let's not waste any more time and talk about what a delight it was watching our team beat up the New York Jets in Detroit last night. So a lot of people heading into Monday's game were kind of worried, having surrendered a home game against a division rival to be played at a neutral site. Nothing that we don't have experience at, mind you. But a Jets team coming off their bye, so they had a little extra time to prepare. And quite frankly, still not a bad Jets defense up against our offense, which has been um, less than stellar to this point, but boy, we uh, all yeah. phases of the game really took care of business. I mean, it's so rare that we see when you get those grading of the Bills uh, by Sal yeah. that the, he gave, gave us an A plus. Couldn't believe. It. I mean, he still had his like normal like Sal annoying gripes, but but you're you talking know, about Sal is, from Rochester. No, no, he's the reasonable one. Uh, uh, no, Capaccio's the reasonable one. Sal Mariana, Sal Mariana from Rochester is. The oh, one. is he from Rochester? Yeah, he's not for Buffalo News. No. Oh, yeah, You're I from Rochester. Too. You're supposed to know these things. I don't think he was, he wasn't there when I was there. Well, and he plus is I now. didn't read the paper when I was right. like in <laughs> high school. So um, if this isn't an indictment of Toronto as a potential NFL city, I mean there were random NFL fans from everywhere. Most of them were Detroit. If there was any any um, pregame bias it was that that radio announcer in detroit was trying to get everyone to wear jets green which but it's not that totally not buddy but still that place was alive and was a pro bill stadium yeah you know and that's i mean there's a lot of people that couldn't probably drive out there because their house was either flooding or whatever and it's further right it's it's significantly further than toronto is from buffalo oh god yeah you know and and yet still there was a huge showing of Bills fans. It just says that, I mean, Toronto, they, they have no chance. Not I mean, worth the price of admission, it's quite literally. It's not worth the price of admission. Um, and if you are listening to this podcast and you did make the trip, let us know. Because uh, I'm curious to hear how the experience was. From what I gather, it was a lot of young people, probably with a lot of time on their hands. And uh, that's probably a indicative of our listening audience, too. So, yeah, so. I'd, I'd love to hear how the experience was. It seemed like it was a good time. Yeah, it, I mean, all the things I read on the message boards were, thank you, Detroit. They mm-hmm. made they did a great job. You know, obviously all the Bills staff. And I noticed that, too, like job, uh, like some of the little things. They played the shout song. Right. They did our, like, the train whistle that they've started yep. doing at the Ralph. They So I imagine, uh, uh, surely they, we just have, like, a soundboard that, they we, like transfer. They just over, transferred but... over and played to theirs. But either way, it was and you know painting the end zones, painting. Yeah, you the know the press field. box had uh, buffalo wings. You know, as oh, nice. uh, you know, so there was just like little things. Apparently, there was an article on... buffalo wings from Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> from Two Bills Drive that um, the team Lions team president, um, like Russ Brandon, shows up there on Friday with like a three day beard and 
plops hmm. himself down and starts working again. And the uh, Lions team president comes in in a black tuxedo with a white towel over his head. He says, can I get you a drink, sir? Oh, nice. And so, because I guess he had been at some charity event and they were joking about it. But still, it's like, you know... You know, it's a team we just played and beat, and they were probably not too happy about the fact that we beat them. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of ties between Ralph Wilson and and that and that and the owners of the plus of also Lions. a city and a franchise that you know not haven't exactly been on easy street for a while. I don't I don't mean to I mean Buffalo isn't exactly an economic boom town. I understand that it's coming back a little bit. It's certainly right. not in the same shape as Detroit. But either way, two football teams that have struggled, two two cities that have kind of you know rust belt cities there on the lake, um, you yeah. know they have a lot in common, and it's nice. That, which I think is why the radio, the Green Monday, encouraging people to wear Jets colors because of the Jim Schwartz carry off. I think just pissed off Bills fans because it was like why it was like, it what, was like, nonsense. And you know, thank God the sensible people of Detroit. I don't know if I've ever used those words before, right. but the sensible people of Detroit. Uh, you know, didn't didn't listen. I mean, there weren't that many. There were some Jets fans, but most of them were quiet because the Jets were taking a shellacking. Yeah. And the neutral fans, the people that were just wearing Detroit blue, I mean, I saw them cheering for the Bills, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll take it. I wanted to send one of my neighbors, my neighbor, actually, my next-door neighbor, is um, a big Detroit fan. And, uh, you know, I wanted to send him the link off of the stadium wall that was, thank you, Detroit, because all these Bills fans are saying that, you know what? For the rest of the season, I'm gonna. It, when it comes to the NFC, I'm gonna root Detroit the whole way because of what a great job they did and how cool the fans that were there uh, were to and, and welcoming to the Bills. It's just, it's just a nice thing. I just don't expect it anymore because we're so used to our team getting shit on by everyone else. <laughs> everything that everybody. Uh, you know. I think that I think there's probably something to karma there with the amount of money that uh, Ralph Wilson left for Detroit. Yeah. That uh, you know, it's. Nice. That's the way that the NFL should be. Well, and hey, uh, it's the way this podcast will be. So moving forward, we have a second favorite team, albeit a distant second and in a separate conference. But hey, uh, when they're not playing the Bills, go Lions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got no love for the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> to wreck his brother, my wife's re- uh, brother and cousin. Because every once in a while, they're now listening because they think well, the they wife- play each other this weekend, don't they? They yeah, play they do. On, they on do Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. So you're probably getting this have, after. I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, you're probably not gonna hear this, but uh, I'd just like to apologize to you ahead of time. But I do have to now root for the Lions because yeah, the we Bills won 38 to three, and um, and you know what? Actually, they're gonna be happy about that because as I watched the Bears game, they were in full on cheer when someone scores against the Bears because they're on draft pick mode. Oh yeah, you know. Totally. So they're yeah. So I guess I guess it's okay. So uh, it's there's a lot of positive things to talk about in this game, so we'll get to those. But yeah. in the meantime, Suge, let's talk about some of the less positive things that happened. Your Genesee cream ale bummer of Sunday's game. Or excuse me, I, so used to saying Sunday's game, but we were texting as much saying yeah. we're so used to the Sunday noon game, noon here in Chicago, 1 o'clock out it's east. It's strange. It's weird. Monday, it, the Thursday game is strange. It's weird having to go to work and then have a game that night when – your morning and your early afternoon isn't kind of all just leading up to a Bills game. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it threw up my whole schedule. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't go to work. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been to work in two and a half weeks. Yeah, I, mean, I have the luxury of doing my research from home, but I have to say I was less than productive um, uh, on, on Monday. But but then, you know, it was, hey, I, I, and I was thinking, we were texting back and forth saying that, God, I kind of, I kind of wish this game had been on Sunday, or I wish it was a Sunday game. I was kind of annoying. And the other thing is, it was an early Monday game. Yeah. But what I will say is that at the end of the game, you know, I stayed for an extra beer uh, to, you know, to celebrate with some people, and I still got home by ten. Yeah, it was. You nice. know, it was kind of nice to have a game that was over by nine o'clock. It's like you could still go and actually. I was like, if I wanted to go to work the next day, I could totally go. <laughs> go you know, and it turns out I I did have to go to work for quite a bit today. But so your Jenny Cream Ale bummer of the week. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's get back to that. Uh, my Jenny Cream Ale bummer of the week is going to go to Mr. Eric Pears, uh, because on that fourth and one, yeah. There was, I mean, I guess, you know, it should go to both of them, Chantrell Henderson and Eric Pears. They had two people on one guy, and he completely embarrassed both of them. It was actually a great, a great job by the TV crew in real time to show them yeah. how the play had broken down. It was like a mini All-22, but it was just embarrassing to see them get schooled. Now, granted, 
It was uh, Sheldon Richardson, right? Yeah, he's he was good. a great, he's great a good player. player. But there's two of you. Yeah, you know, I mean, so it, it, he shouldn't have made it look that easy. Suge, in the 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 spirit of this podcast and other things we've talked about, immediately because I was here watching it, um, so I had I was on online watching, so mm-hmm. I had the message boards up. Immediately, the game day thread erupts with horrible play call, shitty play call. Now they finally run up the middle. Yeah. It wasn't a bad play it call. It was not a bad play call. I mean... When I, two guys are supposed to block one guy and they can't, that's not a bad play call. No. Well, and also, I mean, Marone talked about this play afterwards in, in post game, and he said, I told Booby to not jump. I don't know what... Booby thinks he's a goddamn Dude, ballerina. I've said this before. I've said this about <laughs> him so many thinking? times. It's probably why he lost his job in San Francisco. The guy weighs, what, 280 pounds? Yeah. He He's, said that 280 pounds low does and, low does, and deep and follow the crease yes. that's there on the right side. It like, does him no good when he's not when he doesn't have his feet on the earth. Right. When when he's in midair, that 280 pounds might as well be 50 because he can right. Be pushed. You just take your legs out and and it's and all he did was end up on whoever's back. I guess it must have been Eric Pears' back. Like and then all of his momentum was gone. Like if he runs low and powerful, his job there is to push the pile. You know. And the thing is, they were getting some. Decent push, or at least they were holding their own. If you then add something two that's two hundred plus pounds going at least you know seven to ten miles an hour faster, it's gonna make it's gonna be a big big boom. You know, I mean, I just I it was that was bad excuse. That was not a bad play call. Um, you know, the one thing that I always I was talking about at the games that I don't understand why people don't run goal line plays like that from a spread offense. Like I know that. Like, you know, get all your wide receivers out. So, you like, because when you bunch all your players together, I understand that you have the ability to push the line. But you also end up with all the defensive players, including the cornerbacks, the linebackers, yeah. and everybody. If you have a, a, a line like, a, like Fred Jackson out to the side, that's going to take one of their linebackers away. You know, obviously, like, the cornerbacks, maybe they're not contributing that much. But you have a spread offense. Like, there's a lot more room to get a yard, a yard and a half, or even a half yard. But nobody does. I mean, there must be something to it because nobody does it. Right? I, I know the Patriots do it because they'll spread it out and then Tom Brady will just rush up the middle. Right. I mean, there's there's no team in the last decade that can stop the Patriots from picking up less than six feet because right. all Tom Brady does is lower his head and fall forward, and they do it routinely. Um, you know what the formation on that play was, though? You know who was behind Booby Dixon in the backfield? Uh, that was, um... Was it Bryce? Or it no? was Sammy Watkins. Oh, so they thought it was just going to be a misdirection. So they had some kind people. of like, yeah, they had, and that's, I don't, it was a fine play call. Two guys should be able to block one. No, no, I mean, that that definitely get down to the whole execution thing, which I don't know if you know about this or not, but it was talked about on the during the live broadcast and talked about on some of the message boards. What's the deal with, is Marone calling plays now? No, he's, I, so don't, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm asking because I, I, I no. saw it talked about on the message board, and then I was like, I have to stop looking at message boards no, I go it, to work. No, you need to stop listening to Solomon Wilcots, because on the same message board was a list of things that the, the broadcast team managed to completely fuck oh, up last gotcha. night. Yeah. No, and, and people said, I don't think there's anything to suggest that Doug Marone is calling plays. But uh, my Jenny, I don't, honestly, Suge, this whole time we've been sitting here, I can't think of my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week. I have one other one, but I mentioned that earlier, but it's not a real Jenny Cremail player, it's just... Well, I would like to give it to Booby, but then he broke broke the thirty yard run, which kind of was a sloppy run. But I and nobody on the defensive side of the ball. I I really can't think. And maybe what you did mention before, and I guess we'll go that route. Corey Graham uh, had a great start to the season; hasn't really done much since, and dropped an interception, which would have gotten this team a shutout, yeah, which would have been a nice thing. I mean, it's obviously you know it's something that I think he's a Jenny Cremel player to himself because. Nobody would want the shutout more than that defense, and nobody would want the yeah. shutout more than Corey Graham, probably. Well, they haven't so, got one this year, so... Yeah, they still don't. I mean, this so was probably got, their chance. You got, you know? Nah, they got five more tries. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, Oakland. They might Oakland, get, that's They true. could get one against they Oakland. They could get one against Oakland. That's so, uh, it, it, I said it was tough to think of a Jenny Cremel, but can you think of a Labatt Blue Player of the Week that stands out in your mind? I'm going to leave the obvious one. Cause, well, are you going to go for the obvious one? I don't know who the obvious one is. Really? Okay, uh, well, yeah, I do now. Yes, I do. Yes. So, um, I am going to go with... Well, no, hold it. I'll say the obvious one. It's Mario Williams. Oh, okay. No? Yeah, no, it is. It who is. Who would you think it was? 
I think Robert Woods. Oh. Uh, yeah. He Robert, showed up. No, Robert Woods did his job. He got his number called and he caught the ball. That's his job. Right, but, you know, and we, I, I talked about this on the message boards again, is that those catches were not easy catches. They were they were not bad throws, which is a very important point to make, that when a quarterback throws the ball in a way that it makes it awkward for the receiver to catch, sometimes he does that because that's the only place you can put the ball. Totally agree. I uh, totally agree. But, so, I'm, I'm, but they were still good catches. Well, let me, come, let me just finish out. Mario Williams. Has Ridiculous. been playing with his hair on fire. He has yeah. 12 sacks now through 11 games. And where did that come from? Because he started off kind of slow, Jerry Hughes. Don't know. Was... Don't know. But he was playing with more piss and vinegar last night than I've ever seen him. He yeah. was trucking his guy into the lap of the quarterback on every play. Yeah. He was playing like the man beast that everybody thinks he is and was worth every last penny that he was making in a Buffalo Bills uniform last night. If he can bring that level of intensity every game, my God. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing is that there's something to that because that whole team was energetic last night. Something and was, they should not have been. Was it? Is it playing on the carpet indoors? I, it may be that, but it also might have nothing to do with the fact that they didn't practice all week. I know it sounds crazy, but they just were sitting in their house cooped up Raring to just get out of the field and tear. And you know, man, they couldn't the, lift the way they normally lift. But the first, the first couple plays against the Miami game, I thought they looked flatter than piss on a platter. Right. And that was on a short week. And I remember in like the first two or three plays of the game, and then they ended up having that long field goal drive to start the game in Miami. I remember thinking, this is going to be a long game because our defense does not look like it's yeah. firing out there. Yeah. yeah. And. That was not the case last night. I mean, I think they literally... I mean, the bye week, you know, people say the bye week is time off and you get to get away from football, but I don't know. I think that the bye week is just more time to prepare for the next opponent and to think about all the things that you do wrong. Except maybe, it hasn't borne out that bye week teams do any better. I mean, right, the Jets exactly. were coming off theirs. But we maybe lost this coming was, off ours. I mean, this was truly something that, like, you ha- you're not thinking about work. When you have eight feet of snow outside your house, when you open the door and there's no outside, it's just a pile of snow, like, you're thinking about something different. And people are, you know, posting on Twitter, Fred Jackson's throwing his kids in the snow, you know, Mario Williams is running on his freaking bobcat, all the stuff we were talking about last week. Like, maybe it, it does just kind of give you a moment, because they, all they could do they was looked, sit in their they, house. They looked completely refreshed and reset. They looked very refreshed, and they just looked like they were... And, but, uh, but I'm sorry... Nobody more so than Mario Williams. Nobody more so than Mario Williams. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. he was. But even Orton. Orton was completion percentage of seventy five percent. You know, <laughs> which nobody's talking about. I know. He threw the ball. He threw he the ball thirty two times. People, that was so pissed off at these people that on these message boards that are like, "Oh God, why can't he hit a receiver in stride? And why is the ball always so hard to catch?" I'm like, "Cause that's where it needed to be." He in those threw situations. the ball thirty two times. Yeah, and and completed seventy five percent of those. Yeah, I mean, Orton played very very well, and anyone that thinks that he didn't has not looked carefully enough at the... Or hasn't been watching Buffalo Bills football for the last 14 years. Yeah, and I mean, granted, yes. Were there plays where there were wide-open receivers? I I saw one replay where Sammy was streaking across the middle and was wide open. But you don't know in that situation... What is that? The fourth is Sammy the fourth receiver, or you also you know, don't know if the defensive tackle is pushing the center right in the throwing right, lane, exactly. And, and, you can't, and right. unless he jumps to throw the ball, he just can't get it there. And also, who's got the hot hand right now? You know, yeah. he threw two passes that were almost identical to they, they actually they were identical to the pass that Robert Wood caught. Uh, so there was the 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 the, the short pass, like the the one where he runs up. Uh, and then suddenly stops, and the ball is behind him and t- yeah. towards the sidelines. That Robert Woods made that catch. I think it was Robert Woods' first catch. Yeah. Through the same pass to Sammy, he dropped it. Then he threw the out route to Sammy that Robert Woods made a great catch on, and Sammy, Sammy dropped, dropped it. it. Yeah. You know, he, and so Sammy had a bad. I mean, he didn't have I, a great I, I don't game, think we. Know? I don't think we have the gall to give Sammy a Jenny Creamel bummer of the week at all this season. But this was a this was his worst performance of the year so far. So yeah. we've we've identified Mario Williams. You already mentioned Robert Woods. Who do you have in mind for your Labatt Blue Player of the Game? Oh shit! I'm not Robert Woods. <laughs> you can't do Robert Woods. I don't want to do that. I mean, hey, we talked about Kyle Orton. So I'm trying to think if there's what about Jerry else. Hughes? Yeah, Jeremy I mean, Jerry Hughes was amazing. Can Jerry Hughes be replaced? No, I don't think so. I think that the the talent that that first round talent is finally found the right environment. Are we going to sign him? I think we should. I mean, but here's my thing, is that until we find a franchise quarterback, 
I want us to keep our defense intact. I don't give a damn what happens on offense. So spend the money it takes. Yeah, because so I, let's I see, would love let's it let's if... let's CJ walk and sign Darius and Hughes long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that sign Darius, keep, every, keep that defensive line intact and probably keep at least some of the... I mean, two of the linebacking core are, 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 are young players. Three of the linebackers. Well, and Spikes members. only has a one-year contract. Right, so I think you signed Spikes. You well, let's we forget, we signed... get a player back. Right, right, right. But I think, I don't know. I don't and think anyone's going to replace... You know referring to. Yeah, Kiko, right. I mean... Look what this defense is doing without Kiko Alonso. I know, I know. But, you know, part of me is worried what happens when Kiko comes back. Is Kiko going to be... Is Kiko going to be the legend of Kiko, you know? Like, because... At this point, because it is literally the hashtag, the legend of Kiko. How can he possibly live up to it? How can he live up to the expectations that everyone has built him up to me? And lest everyone forget, he kind of fell off towards the second half of the year, you know? Well, that's because he was on pace for like 24 interceptions. (laughs) Right, right. No, I mean, no, but even he he missed some some of those really long run plays we had were him pursuing. Yeah, over-running. Yep, Yeah, but we don't have that problem this year. Well, right, because we have Brian Brandon Spike sitting there. That's true. And And Preston Brown. And Preston Brown, by the way. Preston Brown. Preston gets, Brown is quietly becoming the best free, like the best offseason acquisition we had last year. Yeah. That guy plays every goddamn snap. Right, and I mean, like he took his bumps and bruises as in the first, or first or second game. Since but then, since he's, then he's been like, <laughs> like starter solid, you know. And then, and and then at sometimes like amazing. Yeah, Nigel Bradham was taking people's head. Tackling people from his hair. Nigel Bradham. Now if he's the one angry. I angry give man. I give Bill Belcher a lot of shit on this podcast, and deservedly so. But I will when when I when Bill is right about something, I will gladly admit Bill has been frothing at the mouth since we drafted Nigel Bradham. Ever since he saw that YouTube hit yeah. <laughs> when he got ejected, yeah. dude, that guy has played like he's got something to prove, and he. Pulling down Chris Ivory by his hair last night—that was nasty. That was just downright yeah, mean. It was, it was mean. But you know who was it? I was talking with um, Jailbird. <laughs> uh, this is a girl at at our Bills bar. God bless her, and she actually just liked the podcast. I got her to do it yesterday. She gonna listen? Uh, I'm does she know? That she's does she listen. know we call her Jailbird? I, well, I said, "All right, Jailbird, I'll see you later." So she knows. I, we call her Jailbird, not. Because there's something wrong with her, but because she used to work, I think she still. <laughs> she works at a penitentiary. She yeah. works at Cook County Jail. Hey, and uh, she's a and, huge and she's Bird a huge Jerry Bird fan. So she's already been on suicide watch for the most majority <laughs> of the season ever since Jerris left us. But uh, but she was saying that oh you know I I don't like it. I think it's just an unsaid rule. You know I don't know. It may have been her. It may have been Cassie. Either way, it doesn't doesn't matter. But. Both, both what of them are we were talking not very, about about pulling Chris Ivory down. Oh hell no, it's not an unsaid rule. Yeah, he's no, like, it's you not. can't. I was like, you know, you're going for the guy, and you, you I mean, in this, dude, he the was moment, getting high fives on the sideline. They were like, yeah. yeah, I saw you do that, bro. Yeah, which, which is weird because more. Players... I think you need to cut your damn hair. I Chris Sammy Watkins. Ivory. Yeah, and if Sammy Watkins gets pulled down by his hair, I am not going to complain. I'm not going to complain either. Cut your. You are a professional athlete. And all you're, you're doing, giving the opponent you're giving them something to grab. These people have like slick stuff on their jerseys. They yeah, have they like, wear them skin tight, right? No sleeves, and then they put giant dreadlocks there. It's like what is going to? It's like putting can, a giant handle on the small of your yeah, back. You, you just need to put like braid them in such a way that it's a giant handle for somebody to yank on. It makes no sense. Well, why. so did you? Have you given a Labapalu player of the game? Oh yeah, no, I think all of them. All of the, all of the aforementioned. Yeah, you know who I'm gonna give it to? Marone. I wow. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Well, you know you're not gonna get any argument from me. I here's the thing. This guy proved that if ever there was a time when the Bills had an excuse to come out flat, he proved that he's instilled something in this team that they don't give up. They don't lose fight. They, you know. They they may have flat games. That's that's not no doubt. But they don't. They're not giving up. You know. Yeah. They have every reason to give up. You know, and they had every reason to not do well this game. But they came out there. They got pumped by the crowd that was there. And you know they played lights out. Now granted the Jets suck, but the Jets you got to beat the teams have, that suck. You yeah, got to beat exactly. the teams in your schedule. And they didn't just beat that team. They yeah. destroyed that team. 
that just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know? So, I mean, you can't... And that almost beat the Patriots. So, so it's not like this Jets team can't ever play well. No, it's a, the Jets, by the way, have a top 15 defense. Right. And we scored 38 Which is, points. Well, you know, only seven 31. of which were, yeah. Yeah, were, were not by our offense. But, yeah, but the defense in the NFL is an equalizer. If you're right. going up against a hard defense, then they have a tendency to be in every game. I mean, that's what we find ourselves now, which is why we were the only game that we were out of this year, the New England game, we were still in it halfway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's we got a hell of a stretch coming up, and uh, we have a team coming to Buffalo this week, the Cleveland Browns, that, I mean, many are saying, well, look, if you want to tell – the world that you're a playoff contender or you belong in the conversation, then you have to beat a team like Cleveland. And I'm liking our chances already. Let's get into it now. So we're playing this this Sunday now back in Buffalo, home game. Uh, the last home game of the year before we play the Packers in two weeks. A team that we always seem to find on our schedule, kind of like the Chiefs, because we always seem to finish more or less as bad as they do. It A team, a franchise that's been analogously, if that's a word, snake-bitten like the Bills have been. But this team, with Brian Hoyer leading the charge in 2014, has benefited from playing against the AFC and NFC Souths, the two worst divisions in football. And I, Sujit, for one, am very suspect of their 7-4 and four record, and I think we are going to house them on Sunday. So, yes, we should. We should beat them. We are a better team than them. There's no doubt in my mind we are a better offense, and we are a far better defense than them. That being said, I still feel that way about the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I think that them. we should have beaten them, and you know, it's these, so it's just a matter of which Buffalo team shows up. If God knows, if the one that showed up against the Jets shows up, we're going to destroy them. If it's the one that showed up against Miami Week, whatever, we're going to destroy them. If it's the one that showed up against the Bears, which was not a perfect team, but still, like, we're Doesn't able that to get game feel so long ago. It does, it does, because you know, it was also with e- EJ in yeah. there. I mean, it just it feels like it feels like it wasn't even part of the season. Right, right. And I'll even say, like, you know, even some of the games that like we won by the grace of God, you know, like the Detroit, Detroit game, and Minnesota. You know, like, like Minnesota felt less, but I felt like Detroit, Minnesota, if. if Orton hadn't dropped a fourth, yeah, fourth and twenty. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that we actually did things to win that game. Yeah. Like, well, we also did, in Minnesota we actively did things to lose that right, game, namely right. three fumbles in the red zone. Right, right. That's the thing. Like Detroit's, like we just kept scrapping. We stuck around. We stuck around. We were we benefited from three missed field goals by by uh, Detroit, but still we you know we stuck around long enough to like have a final game winning drive that could win it. You know, but. Anyways, if we if the team that showed up against Miami, the flat team that showed up against Miami, or just the discombobulated team that showed up against Kansas City, I feel like that's the difference between those two games. For Kansas City, we were moving the ball and then we did dumb stuff like fumble like while running to the end zone or fumble, you know, and then just our offense was just not clicking even though like it was very clear that it could click like But, but the Kansas City defense is better than the Browns defense. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying. So I think that Kansas City's a better opponent against the Bills. Yeah. I think they match up better. But, I, I I mean, so the one thing that we have going is that I feel like Brian Hoyer, his, his card's been read. You know, like people know more about him, and he's fallen off the past few yeah, weeks. Yeah, he has, big time. And um, they, they should not have won against the pitiful Falcons. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the management was just... The management of that game yeah, no, in the, the last minute was the, horrible. The clock management in that game, if Doug Marone ever pulled that shit... Yeah, we'd all be asking for his head. Yeah, no... More so than we already have. Ralph Wilson Stadium would burn to the ground. Right. Because half the city of Buffalo would show up. I mean, he literally gave the ball back to Detroit, or excuse me, to Cleveland, and gave them an opportunity to win. Yeah, he, he, and for no reason. I mean, it wasn't even... Yeah, it just... it's It was, it was baffling. 
But, you know, this is the same Atlanta team that is now in first place. Like, what is going on in this world that the two-win Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been eliminated from playoff contention 11 games into the season? It's insane. Like, what is happening that there's four teams or three teams in that division that have four wins? Yeah, and one of them's going to win the division. One of them's going to win the division. And they're probably going to win the division at at eight wins. And the Bills aren't, you know? like. It's just they may not even get eight eight wins. I wouldn't be surprised. The Bills? All they have to, no, no, no. That the so division winner. Ah, division. I think they will. I mean, it's uh, the Saints. I They'd don't... have to win four out of five, right? To get to get to eight, yeah. To get eight wins, but they're not. I mean, they're not a win four out of five type of. No, group no team right down now. there is. Um, but against this Browns team, I know for sure that they have struggled stopping the run. Yeah, which. <laughs> Which, Which I feel like we haven't played a single team this year that struggles against stopping the run. Yeah, why? Why does it feel that? like we've played a high concentration of some of the best defenses in the league? Because well, we have. We I know we have, and like through this week, everybody said, "Well, the, the reason one of the best defenses in the league is they played against the Bills." Yeah, that's not true anymore. Eleven right. games in, those teams are still sitting at the top of a lot of very important defensive categories, and we keep having to face these murderous row of defenses. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's also because we played the NFC North, right? Yeah. Which is a, a famously decent defensive group, you know? and and even Detroit, the Bears Detroit is reasonable, you know. Detroit's but Detroit is amazing. the best defense on paper right, right. now, I mean, right? Um, and then Houston, you know, yeah. like. But it's, they the, the reason we've been in these games though is because as good as their defenses have been, most of those teams' offense is not great. Um, like, well, there's no excuse for the Detroit offense being as bad as it is. Yeah, and when they played us, they were hobbled because they didn't have Calvin Johnson and. And you know that's Reggie Bush to a certain extent. I I hear you, but I mean, getting back to the point, I think. But this is this is one of the lesser opponents we've faced in a long time. I mean, the Jets, notwithstanding, obviously. Yeah, not including the Jets, I would say that this is a step above Minnesota. Is this a step above Minnesota? Well, where where Minnesota was that you have a rookie quarterback coming off his on his first road game, like we should have beat. Minnesota more decided. Yeah, we should have, and we were in position. And position so the, to this do team so. has more veterans than than, or they, they have more of a veteran presence than than I think Minnesota did at the time that we played them. Are we at all scared of Josh Gordon? Yeah, no, of course we are. But I mean, I think that when we've learned how to play Gronk, I'm not as worried about Josh Gordon. He was very out of sorts when he played uh, this last game, but he he's still, still at made, 120 yards. Yeah, he still made catches. He still made plays, but. I think that I will say I'm not scared of the rest of their no, not at all. But I will say and I, that I, I will when when if Mario Williams, Josh, Jerry Hughes, and Marcel Darius, Marcel Darius didn't have a sack by the way, which is a little shocking. It is Kyle um, Williams got it instead. Right, exactly. But, but when they get a those... hold of Brian Hoyer, I mean, he's going to be begging to put Johnny Manziel in. The when you watch some of those replays, what? How how can our defensive lineman be running unabated to the quarterback and have an offensive lineman still have two hands on him while he's trailing him? Yeah, and, and it not be holding. It's just unbelievable. Like it was cold. Like it's, there's on the on the Kyle Williams play. sack, two guys were holding Marcel Darius. Same thing on the um, and Mario Williams the sack. Mario Williams where he tossed him like a rag doll. He was getting was held. Completely being held. There was two people. If you're but it wasn't even close. Like they got between the offensive lineman and the quarterback. Right. And okay. Now I'm I'm saying this as a bear with me for a second here. In the game of water polo, which I played collegiately, if you are close to the goal, or actually it doesn't even matter where you are, at least the the rules as they were written when I played. If you get between the defender and the goal, the defender can't like have his hands on you because if you're anywhere in the field and that happens and he's fouling you when you ha- when you've put yourself between him and the goal, it's like hockey. They get ejected. They get put in the penalty box for 20 seconds. If it's inside 4 meters, you get a penalty shot. I mean, it's a pretty pretty blatant or it's a pretty severe infraction. I don't know why this team doesn't apply here. And as a water pole player, I'm watching these guys run free. They've gotten their entire body between the offensive lineman and the quarterback. 
And I'm thinking, like, how is it that the rules of the game aren't that the offensive lineman then has to put up his hands to show I am not making contact with this guy because the moment I do, it's illegal. I'm either blocking him in the back right. or I'm holding him. There's nothing I can do at this point to stop him, so I have to put up my hands. I think there's there's some rule, because I've seen it a ton this year, like on every single game, where the defensive player can put their hand on the chest of that person and, like, pull back how is that not without holding? grasping how is it that I think I don't know I don't understand how, how it works but like there's definitely cases where the the like you're saying where the offensive lineman is behind the defensive player and they still have their arm in front of them and they're just kind of I mean I wish this wasn't a podcast where you can't see what exactly my hands are doing but basically they're you he's know all, he's all over me right yeah, now yeah yeah it's it's hot <laughs> you could tell he played water polo <laughs> um, but where he's got his arms or like over his shoulder and is like pushing back his chest or pulling back his chest. I mean, that seemed like holding, but it hasn't been called all that year. That seems like so. it should be severely illegal. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but that, <laughs> they're, they're certainly not calling Our defensive dope. line never draws holds. How but, is that you know, possible? The same we have token, the most dominant defensive line in football. We, uh, yeah, yeah. That, but, and, and nobody but ever holds us. that's not what was happening. That's not what was happening with the Kyle Williams and... Those were straight up holding. Those were they had the jersey grasped and were pulling him back. Had him by the hips. Yeah, they were just like running with him up the field with their hands on his hips. That's a hold. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, you know, I was screaming, hold, 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 but then they like destroyed Michael Vick. So I was like, all right, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give him the down again. You know, like so. uh, God, I was so freaking proud of that team. Um, Yeah, but all right. So Browns, Brian Hoyer's. He's he's limited, and he's going to face arguably. I don't know. If, I can't remember exactly who they've played, but I would argue that they're going to face the hardest defense they've played. Um, probably. They haven't played Seattle. They haven't played. Uh, they haven't played Detroit. They haven't played Detroit. Have they played against Miami yet? I think they have. I think they lost to Miami. Yeah, I think we're better defense in Miami. We're better in most most rankings. Some people really are really high on the people Miami love, defense. Yeah, but that's just because it's a big town. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, people are very high on the defense, but I I went to NFL.com and ESPN.com today, and I went through all the different stats that you can rank a defense with, and looking at all of them, Miami wasn't anywhere near Buffalo. They were, like, 7th and 8th, and Buffalo was never, I don't think, I think besides, like, maybe one or two categories, was never below 5th. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, obviously sacks their number one. Interceptions, they were like fourth or fifth. Uh, or no, maybe they were a little bit lower on interceptions. But um, but still, like, you know, points per game, um, all those things, they, they were like, you know, up in the third third defense. So I mean, I, I, I'm i with you, and we always say barring fluke plays and we just crazy need to shit not, like that. Like, we, we can't, our offense can't implode. Our, you know, that's just no. the one thing that that can't happen. I have enough faith in Jim Schwartz to be able to game plan for the the Cleveland offense, and I think that he's probably. I would hope that he spent a lot of time thinking about how you guard a big uh, plus, tight end, having played Gronk. You know? Plus, we should, well, first off, Josh Gordon's a wide receiver. Jordan Cameron's their tight end. But he's, oh, what did I say? I don't know, but I know who you're. Did I say Cameron Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. That's jo- there's Jordan Cameron. There's Cameron Jordan. It's all very confusing. Um. Plus, we should Josh know. Josh Groban. We should. <laughs> Yeah, no, you the, build me up. I was gonna, the, yeah, the Buble fella. I think yeah. he has a Christmas album coming right. out soon. Um, jeez, uh, completely lost my train. Oh, plus we should know what a Mike Pettin defense wants to do. Right, and the other thing is that Freddie looks stronger this week. Freddie, though he played, he played last weekend, right? Not, not, not yesterday, uh, yeah, but, yeah. but he played, but was. You could tell the man was hobbled. He was like, limited. He was not doing he looked, very I mean, well. he, was, he was on all the punt returns. He was on all but eight he looked punt returns. This on, game. Yeah, you know, he, he, and he still didn't look like old Freddie, but he looked a lot better. And I'm, so now, I'm still and feeling I'm, very confident in Bryce Brown. And I, Well, so, see, it's interesting because I feel less confident about Bryce Brown than I do with Booby because I feel like Booby gets positive yardage almost yeah. Bryce all the, the bounce too much. You know, yeah, Bryce, I mean, the, the heat, I remember just Bryce is a weird play. combination of Freddie and CJ. Yeah, exactly. But I think Bryce, with a good running backs coach that teaches him the way that CJ's been taught, and, <sighs> you know, like, no, 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 but CJ's been taught, but CJ doesn't follow those instructions. I feel like Bryce has more of a, 
a Freddy sense to him that he's not afraid to go up the middle, right. that type of thing. So, anyways, but Booby, you know, I mean, he's the back that we needed. He's yeah. the power back that we needed that yeah, we've he never He just stays had. on his feet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously. Booby, why are you doing flips over people? I mean, we. I mean, thank God it was down by contact, but you know what would happen to the Bills fan base if you had fumbled, if another Bills running back had fumbled within the three-yard line? Like, we all would have lost our mind. And you don't need to flip over no. people, okay? You're you're a big like, man. You need to take a physics class, man. Just like you <laughs> are far more effective when you have both feet on the ground driving into another human being. As soon as you go into the air, you lose you're, it. You're a butterfly, all right? You're a fat, fat butterfly. And so, and your center of gravity is somewhere around ten inches from the earth. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know, but regardless, he 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 keeps his feet on the ground enough. That he does get positive yardage, one, two yards, and then every once in a while he busts out a six, seven yarder. And then other times he goes and gets a touchdown. I was so happy that he got a touchdown in this game. But anyways, we have him. And I think that for the first time I, I in in the entire time I've watched the Bills, we have a really good running back by committee. Yeah. That rarely happens. It, it, it wasn't that effective when yeah. CJ and Fred were there together. Because it was only good when one of them got the majority of the carries and the other one didn't get many. But we finally, those three running backs have gotten into a rhythm where when they get the ball, they do what they can do. And they, they don't look like they need to have seven carries in a row to get a rhythm. Fred goes in there. then They have found their rhythm as a group. And it's rare in the NFL to do that. So I think that our line has gotten better. Urbic was a huge upgrade to yeah. um, Cyril Richardson. Yeah. And th- I wish it had happened sooner, but it happened, right? That's, I mean, that's like what we were talking about last week. You can't, you, you know, you can claim coaching problems, but at the end of the day, he finally made the choice, yeah. you know? And so, anyway, so the line looks better. Our running game looks like it's improving, both in terms of and line And Cleveland sucks against the run. And Cleveland sucks against the run. And the only question is, is our offense going to show up? Because our offense has to show up. Like, they have to, it, well, they have to be efficient in the red zone. They have to be efficient in the red zone. They have to not turn over. Because when we talk about showing up, that and that's what I've been harping on so long now, is that our offense does an okay job moving the ball. It's when they get into the red zone, they struggle. Right. If they're efficient in the red zone like they were last night, no chance. So let's get in now to predictions and wild card. <laughs> Well, every great episode must come to an end. This episode is no different, which means we are approaching the wild card portion of the episode. It's the wild card. And this is Bills and Beers. We've uh, failed to do this the last couple weeks, so we'll do it today. We talk about the Bills, but we also talk about beer. And, Suge, you brought over some uh, very intriguing selections this evening. Would you tell us about what we're drinking right now? I've been having a little bit of IPA fatigue, if you will. There's <laughs> yeah. there's too many hops in the world. Why does everyone have to have hoplicious, hoptastic, hoppa hoppa hoppa? It's just there's too many hops going on, and I love IPAs. I mean, I'm Indian, of course I'm gonna love a damn IPA. And by the way, do you know the story behind IPAs? Yeah, yeah, they, they were given they were given more hops so that they could like make they the could journey. make the trip to India. Y'all can thank now, all of us. Now Indians. can I answer, can I answer your question? Yeah. Why do we have so many hops? Literally the exact same logic applies. Because these shitty microbrews can take what is an otherwise shitty beer and just load it down with hops. And because it's like a hoppy beer with a lot yeah. of bitterness, no, it's it, true. it masks the flavor of an otherwise terrible beer. Which is why we are drinking a refined beer. It a is. A beer that is not very hoppy, but has stood the test of time and... My, it's it is one of the beers that doesn't travel quite as well, uh, which is why it's not quite as good here. But we're drinking a Spaten Lager, and anyone that's ever been to Munich and had a, a Spaten in Munich or anywhere in Germany knows that it is one of the tastiest yeah. damn beers you've ever had, and it's what lagers were meant to be. It's you know um, a pilsner is a type of lager. Yep. Labatt Blue is a pilsner. Yep. Um, and the Spaten actually does make a Spaten pilsner. That is by far the one of the best beers I've ever tasted. So anyways, we're drinking Spot and Lager. We also had a little bit... Oh, dear God, I drank a Cleveland beer. 
Oh, whoops. Drink Great it. Lakes. I don't like yeah. Great Lakes beers. I this the, one it's their seasonal the Nosferatu. I don't like which yeah. is an imperial red ale. I don't like the Dortmunder. I don't like the Ella Fitzgerald. I don't like their Christmas Herald. I don't like their um, what's the Elliot Ness? You I don't, don't like, like any of those. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, and you know why? The same reason why I like this Spaten, which clean. is it, it's cl- it's very clean. And Suge, is it cheesy for me to say that when I have these German lagers, they they kind of like hit your tongue and you're like. Yeah, this is like centuries worth of refinement right here because this yeah like there's there's no impurities here like this just tastes right and I I only get that impression when I drink German beers I think it's because they all taste like Labatt Blue I think because it's in the style dude, no, of Labatt Blue dude, it's drink... a refined Labatt Blue because no, okay? no, yeah. it's like oh, okay damn, this refined. is like some of the best fucking Labatt Blue I've ever had but refined is the right word there because I drink Labatt Blue and I go. Yep, yep, there's that Labatt Blue flavor. But it's because Labatt does not travel well. We have Labatt True. Blue out here in Chicago. It's not brewed anywhere near here. I always wondered why it tastes so good in upstate New York, sorry, in Rochester. I was like, oh, isn't it brewed in Toronto? No, it turns out that Genesee Brewery actually brews, yeah. or at least bottles, uh, a, a big, large um, portion of Labatt Blue. Which, by the way, we have to give one quick shout-out. I was going to say, so if, if that's the case, Chris... Chris, if you're listening. Chris Ballin, who uh, has been the uh, Labatt representative for the Chicagoland area for at least a, a year or two now. At least two years, yeah. Um, and has done a spectacular job with all of Bill's Nation. He's taken care of all of Bill's Nation yep. here. He was instrumental in our... Um, uh, op- swag for yeah, opening weekend in our in our in our opening weekend party and some of the food i mean he they yep. they 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 went out of their way to he went out of his way to make sure that that party that welcomed all the bills fans from all over the world for that and matter. he's been on this podcast he's been on the podcast he's been a great guy he's uh been uh very generous to all the ladies uh yeah <laughs> the Chicago area. so uh he is now taking on a uh, position in Rochester, in my hometown of Rochester, New York. I wish him well. He's moving up. Yeah, he's uh, now. I mean, I believe that they Rochester is their second largest market. Yeah, uh, and he's uh, going to be running stuff down there. So we wish him very, very well. We will miss him. Uh, we will definitely miss all the bill swag. We asked him. We made two specific requests. That is that the first request, which is a an absolute must, is that the person that replaces him must be a Bills fan. Uh, And second of all, I personally requested for it to be a hot 20-year-old girl. Um, (laughs) I started off with a hot, slutty 20-year-old girl, then I said, no, I'm married. I don't really need her to be slutty. But as long as she's hot. Uh, So... Well, Chris, if you're listening, uh, give us a comment on Facebook if you made it this deep into the episode. It's been a pleasure. Uh, So the wild card, Suge, we have coming up in a few days. And actually, if you're listening to this, this, this will probably hit you sometime around Friday. Maybe it'll hit you on Thanksgiving, but I have a feeling that if I get this out by Thursday, not many of you will listen to it on Thanksgiving. But either way, Thanksgiving will still be in the air. We have the uh, feast coming up on Thursday, Black Friday, obviously, to follow. But it's the feast. That's what we're celebrating here. And each feast is only a sum of its parts. So we're going to break down the parts of the Thanksgiving feast and talk about which bill would represent each part of the feast separated from the other so suge we'll start with a um we'll kind of let's try to work our way from most desirable portion of thanksgiving feast up to like the well or no sorry least desirable to most desirable so least desired to most desirable okay so i guess we're going to start with something like the green bean casserole oh i'm gonna go with green bean casserole is okay well let's first off let's identify what the green bean casserole is it's a staple to the meal. It's something that you want to have. Yeah. But it's something you want on your plate for variety, for roughage, but also because, like, you can't have just a lot of, like, brown and, like, beige-looking things on your plate. You need some green. And also because you always think it's going to be real good, and it always it's disappoints It's always good you. enough. It's it's good, but it's, you know, it's not like, like, oh, damn. Like, I think we all, the first green bean casserole we ever ate was delicious, and then we always put it on the plate thinking that, like, oh, this one's going to be perfect, but it's always, like... Oh, it's got dried out or it's okay. Well, soggy. You've, you've given yeah. me the answer. It's Scott Chandler. Yep. Yep. Dude. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> 2011 Scott it's Chandler. Like Holy was... shit! We really got something on our hands here. 2014 Scott Chandler. Oh huh, well, if he makes a play, that's cool. Yeah, it's just that's exactly what I was thinking of. It's 
That's really disappointing that we both came to that same conclusion. All right. So who is I'm going to move something that's that's you know, it's something you don't need, but it adds something real special when you have it. It's our zing, it's our cranberry sauce. Yeah. Well, that's easy. Um it's CJ Spiller. It's somebody who the, the upside huge yeah, the, the downside not so much because if you don't do the if if you don't have the the cranberry sauce and I'm saying this huge, as somebody who's never ever put the cranberry sauce which has been on the table for all thirty of the Thanksgiving feasts that I've been at you've I've never never done put it. it on my plate and really? I don't think I'm missing anything. See, I'm going with Marquise. Oh, Marquise Goodwin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a obviously same, there's same logic applies. You know, yeah, but yeah. like I mean, he's been gone and. Yeah, maybe, you don't miss him maybe when that's taken away some of our you know mid-range passes because he doesn't clear out the safety. But, man, like when he's there, it's like, oh, my God, why aren't we throwing <laughs> to this guy all the time? But but I don't know. It's just like he is the zing on my turkey. I mean, like the turkey is the game. And, like, when, when he gets onto the plate, when he gets onto that turkey, it's like, whoa, like, holy cow, that kid's fast. But then... When he's not there, it's just like, I guess I don't really yeah, miss well, him. Yeah, I don't miss him yeah. at all. So then let's take it another step and let's do the the opposite, which is something that's on the table, which uh, is needed. Everybody will partake, but it's, you know, which is the bread. The bread and butter. I was thinking about the bread. Uh, the bread and butter is going to be, to me... I, I got one. If you take it out, it's kind of like, oh, shit, I wish I had some bread and butter. Ah, oh, damn. All the all the rolls gone already. Oh, oh, they were they were warm and I missed them. I wanted to get some butter on those rolls. I wish I would have those butter. And when you have them, you're like, okay, this is good. I'm not thrilled about it, but it's good. Eric Wood. Really? Yeah. See, I don't know. I think that Eric Wood is like the centerpiece. Like I think that like <laughs> that he you is. You were gonna give him the turkey? No, I wasn't gonna give him the turkey. I just mean like literally okay. like the, like the decorative centerpiece. Like that he's like. It's just not a Thanksgiving meal without. That is not a Bills offensive line without Eric Wood. Like I think he. But that's what I'm saying. Like that. I think I could. I think I could make my way through the Thanksgiving feast without having bread, and I wouldn't miss it. Yeah, but I don't think that I could go through. I don't think the offensive line of the Bills could exist without him. So who's your bread? So my bread, interestingly, is backup. So the ultimate backup that I see right now is Stephon Charles. Bread oh. is my Stefan Charles because it's like, yeah, you know, he gets outplayed by, or it gets like outshined by all the other things. But like, man, sometimes when you like, you know, you're eating your turkey or whatever and you grab that nice warm butter and roll he, and by take the way, a bite. And we didn't talk about it. He's he the, was pretty badass. Well, he was the one that had the badass, should have been sack on Gina where he ended up just flaying it, which, you know, yeah, we've 99, about this, 99 right? times out of 100 is an, is a horrible pass probably for an interception but they managed to get six yards out of it but he had him dead to rights and that was right. Stephon charles coming through there yeah no and exactly and so that's why when you take a bite of that bread it's like you're like oh this bread is perfect this bread is like i didn't even know this bread was here yeah but then the bread showed up and you're like man where's this bread been all game you know <laughs> and you're like oh it's because i didn't have room on my plate because i wanted some turkey and i wanted some uh stuffing and i wanted some gravy and all those i wanted some mashed potatoes and so then you're like, oh, I don't have room for him to be a starter on my plate. But I'm really glad when they're, when we make room to put him, give him room on the plate. I like that actually a lot. So let me switch gears a little bit here, uh, which is uh, what, what is it that, what is, what is it the place setting of most people Thanksgiving, which is alcohol. And mm. it, it usually for when you sit down to dinner, it's wine, white or red. Um, but either way, I've found that Thanksgiving has been a lot more enjoyable the last few years where it's been acceptable for me to drink wine in front of my family. This, this happened in college and every year since then I've been looking forward to Thanksgiving. <laughs> but either way, I, I would, now as I look around the table as somebody who's partaking as well, I, I notice yeah. everybody's got a pretty healthy pour in front of them. So who, who is the wine that keeps the Thanksgiving meal? Because, okay, here's, here's what the wine does. Helps you wash down your food. It tastes good. But you're also like sitting at a table with a bunch of people who you see once or twice a year. You know, it kind of loosens you up a little bit. It, it makes the whole situation a little less awkward. So it plays a part in this whole thing. Yeah, and and, well, and then the other side is that maybe it you know it loosens you up, and then you get into the, like the classic family arguments that like <laughs> people have. So like, who is like kind of? I mean, I say the, the lightning rod. Yeah, who is the lightning rod that's either going to? 
Oh my god, it's Lee Smith. <laughs> Lee the one Smith who knows how to mix line. things up. Yeah, you know, like he either fires up, fires you up because he's like so into it, or he like gets a fifteen yard penalty because he's trying to beat people down. But I don't know. Part of me thinks that when you said the wine, when I, my first thought was like something that makes it smooth and a little refined. Uh, something makes me think that Aaron Williams is the I wine. like that. Because like, there's something smooth about Aaron Williams. There's something refined about the way he plays football. Yeah, I like that And, a lot. like, you know, he's not making a lot of noise. He's just there, and he's making that defense run smoothly. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, you could yeah. say the same thing, I guess, about Preston I think, Brown. But Preston Brown's a beer, uh, not a wine. Yeah, yes, you know? precisely. I think that we severely missed Aaron Williams against the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that we have them back in the whole whole defense healthy at the end of the year. Is Donnie Henderson still our backs coach? Yes, he is. Yeah, I, that guy deserves a lot of credit for what he's yeah. done with this team. Like, he does. I mean, because our secondary, I expected our Which secondary is why, to suck this Suge, This is why when people like want to get pissed off at Marone or pissed off at the coordinators, it's like, like there's four coaches beneath these guys. If, yeah. If they're not executing, it's not because the offensive coordinator whose job it is to devise the game plan. Anyways, we're getting off track. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into some, some of the more, literally, meat and potatoes here. Uh, the potatoes. Um, potatoes and gravy. We'll, we'll combine potatoes and gravy. So, really? No, no, we got to separate the potatoes and gravy, because potatoes are very white. Okay, well, then... are thoroughly browned. Fine. So, Marcel right. Darius and Kyle Williams, potatoes and gravy. Yeah, right there. exactly. Because exactly. without those two, And we Marcel don't, we don't have a greasy t- quality to it. I mean, don't know? let... Make no mistake. Our defense... Is as good as it is because we collapse the pocket right. from the inside out. No feast. Yeah. No. Can and be without its starch I, and gravy. That, I mean, I think that's fair. I was gonna make Kyle Williams the big fat white turkey because it's like if you think about Kyle Williams to... naked, he would look like a giant yeah, turkey. Absolutely. You know? um, He's got but, those short, stubby arms. Right. But uh, we, I could do the same thing with Eric Wood as a centerpiece. But yeah, but he's well. just not good enough to be the turkey. I mean, he's good. All right. Well, let's get to it. Who's the turkey? So. I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm, Kyle Orton. Wow. He's the quarterback. No, I can't do it. He's I the quarterback. I think we're going to disagree. It's, I think it's either that, Kyle Orton or it's Freddie I Jackson. Think, I think my, um, my mashed potatoes and gravy, they're the two sides of the offense and defensive line. I think my mashed potatoes is Eric Wood. That he's just like this thing that keeps the, every, the that line together. This like okay. thick, starchy meat. And gravy, right? Gra- gravy kind of seeps underneath everything and makes everything better. That's Marcel And that's Darius. Marcel Darius. So that's what I'm going to go with that. And then I'm going to make Kyle Williams, the heart and soul of the Buffalo Bills team, our our, our turkey. Okay. I'll but agree to that. I'm going to make Fred Jackson our stuffing. Which you know, Fred Jackson, <laughs> that is always the best part. That is always the best part that's of the true. whole meal. All right. The good stuff. I like this. This has been a good one. I think this is one of our best wild cards today. <laughs> I, think, I think this is well. And now I'm hungry. <laughs> Worst case, best case scenario for Sunday, I'll go first. Worst case scenario, we lose. I, we could lose to this team by like 10 points in a fluky, we could never get things together, came out flat kind of loss. So we could lose this team 24-14. Uh, best case scenario, we could kill them. Um, I, I've i said this before, and I feel confident in this. I don't always say that a best case scenario is a, is a lopsided win in our favor. I certainly won't be saying it next week when we head to Denver. But I'm saying it this week. We could beat this team uh, 37 to 10. Wow. I was actually going to say 38 to 10. That's my go. best case scenario for the exact same reasons you said. My worst case scenario, it's just straightforward. We lose. This is a must-win game. You can't go into Denver and Green Bay and the Patriots without the option to give up one. So yeah. I think that there's I see zero chance of us beating all three of those teams. No, with the team that we currently have, and I agree. The, the I, I, execution I, that we currently I think have. that first off, Suge, what team in the NFL right now could play Green Bay, Denver, and pay, and, and New England within a four week span and win all three? Right, exactly. There's no just, team in the NFL that can do right now. We need to be able to give one of those games away, and then we need to play amazing. You know, so we, we need lose. to play amazing to get one. We need to play. Better than this team has played in the 15 fucking years that we haven't been in the playoffs to get to. And yeah. that's what it's going to take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to have to be the Patriots in Denver. Uh, that, I think that, Green Bay is actually, well, Denver. You know, so I don't know, just just, just because Denver's uh, De- Yeah, Denver's, streaking, Denver's but, been struggling, but Green Bay at home, I don't think Green Bay is a defense home, like ours. Right? Yeah, that's true. So, 
I, anyway, so, so it's going to be tough, and I mean, who knows? Maybe we get to 9-7 and seven and everyone else implodes. But I'll, be, I'll be fine with 9-7. and seven. I'll be fine with No, I, well, Marone keeps his job with, at 9-7. and seven Marone keeps his job at 8-8, eight and eight, and he's going to get there. Yeah, Starting yeah this I think week. that's probably true. Starting, Starting this, week, this week. We're going to beat the Cleveland Browns. We're going to feel great about it. We'll be back next week talking. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. For the president of the Bills backer, Sujit, anything, any last comments? Nothing. Just enjoy your turkeys. We are all very, very thankful for all you listeners, and so keep it up. That's right. I'm Lars for uh, Buffalo Bill Belcher, Cassie, and the long forgotten Jam and Jeff Day. Go Bills. Let's go, Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna. Shout!